Hello and welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Today's episode is entitled Real Data, and I am yeah. so excited today, Ronnie, because... Sounds very space age. It do, Well, we, we have a saying that we use here. It's actually a value among our staff. Leave that, me alone. Leave me alone. That's one of our No, favorite. that would not be it. <laughs> The, the the statement is that real decisions begin with real data. Yeah. And so getting real data is super important. And I'm super excited today because we have one of our dear friends, Scott Shepard, on the show with us. Scott, say hello. Hello. Hey, Scott. Good to have you, man. Man, it's great to be here. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled. I think. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I hope yeah, it is after, after we get done here. You still <laughs> are happy to be to here. A little bit of background on Scott. First off, Ryan and I have known him for a super long time, both from similar circumstances. I was doing leadership training things with First Eulis, where you were on staff. Ronnie happened to yeah. be in that same area, area at Shady Oaks and Hearst. Yep. And Scott's been around a long time. A long time, but, but more than just being around a long time, Ronnie and I have been able to see from afar some of the amazing things that Scott has gone on to do in his career. And then here at, in Burleson, we had the opportunity to re-intersect our lives, first talking about Six Stones, and then now talking about your work with Communio, the work that you're doing with big data in the country and applying that to the church. And so, a matter of fact, you were just with us at a regional pastor's luncheon where we just host one of those ecumenic ecumenically? Ecumenical? Ecumenically. Ecumenical gathering. Whatever that word is, the big one that says Bunch of lots different of different people. denominations yeah. get together. <laughs> but we had, we had some pastors and hey, other folks and here. Yeah. And so Scott was able to speak to that. We thought it'd be great. Since you're here on campus, in yes. live and in person, yeah. let's go ahead and interview and you. And he's a real person, by the way. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yes. It's not a make Well, this is the only way I could leave, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We have stuff on you. So. so Scott, at the uh, at the luncheon, we were talking through some of the exciting things that are happening in using data. But just kind of as a launch point into that conversation, I continue to be fascinated by uh, some of the data that you guys discovered and used in Jacksonville, Florida. Right? Yeah. So can you can you run through just a little bit of that with us? Tell us the story, what happened, and all that. And yeah, absolutely. Our uh, CEO of Communio, JP DeGantz. As he loves to say, he was a political hack. And uh, somebody told him one time, he said, actually, if, if you're going to change the world, changing the world from Washington would be like changing the environment with your thermostat. The outside environment. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's not going to happen. And so anyway, in the political world, they'd run some campaigns and they'd had some success and whatnot. But, you know, they began to question, are we actually using the data in the right methodology? Could we have a greater impact? And then, as JP loves to say, and in his book, he talks about it, um, he had a horrific experience in his life. His, his sister went through an incredibly horrible failed marriage. And so JP at 28 years old winds up with three little ones in his house and her kids. And oh. so not only saw what was going on in the political world and having less and less impact, but wanting to make a difference in the world, then real time, man, in his house, he just sees this thing blow up. And oh. so those things collided in the fact that could he take the things, the strategies in the political world, the big data, the things that were shaping the nation from the political side, could you take those things to the kingdom? And could you bring impact in the church, in marriage, and in right. family? And scratch, as 
let's say scratch an itch that really needs attention. Well, yeah. let me let me push pause for our global audience that may yeah. or may not know when you say big data. I, I think that means a lot of things to different people. I do want to kind of hit the nail flush to the plank on this. We are talking about the big scary data. Yes, absolutely. Right? That is terrifying and intimidating. The yeah. fact that I'll give you an example and this is all predictive analytics, right? Mm -hmm. And it's what Amazon does, Google does, it's what Experian does, all of the major data folks uh, right. in our country to predict your behaviors based on your, your future behaviors, based on your prior behaviors. Absolutely. Mostly yeah. through buying purchases and search engine usage. Yeah, absolutely. Which is scary. Like this morning, I know this is, this is totally out of left field, right? <laughs> I actually did a Damn search man. on gourmet lollipops because lollipops were referenced in a book I was reading this morning. Mm. And I kid you not, when I opened up Facebook right before lunch, oh, yeah. the very first thing that pulled up, and it was, I was on a completely different device. I yeah. was on a home computer hooked up to a home Wi-Fi. Yeah. And on my phone at work, first Facebook thing that pops up is gourmet lollipops. Yeah. And we all have stories that you're just, talking, you're just talking about it in your house. Right, and all of a sudden it comes up on Facebook. I'm like, wow! I didn't even type anything in. We were just talking, you know. And of course, all those don't you Alexa hate it when Alexa's yeah. eavesdropping? I, I know. I was like, okay, are they listening? Yes. Well, we don't yeah. have any of that. We only have Siri in our house. Well, catch up. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's just as bad. <laughs> but okay, so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about big scary data. Absolutely. So you're suggesting in some crazy way that the church could use crazy scary data to share the gospel and change people's lives. Absolutely. Seems yeah. ludicrous to you. Absolutely. There's no way. <laughs> They're doing it right now. Yeah. Show me. Tell me. Well, tell us about you what guys, happened? you crazy yeah. guys were one of the first here in Tarrant County. I mean, we're to, to adopt this, this methodology that we brought into town. And not to get too far down in the field, I know we want to talk through some of this, but I mean, you guys using the data, using the ministries effectively, that data and a plan, you've seen results. Is, is that true? Is that it is. Oh, it is, definitely. And I want to pause that conversation because I really want to close the loop real quick on Absolutely. Jackson. Right? Was it Jacksonville? Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida had one of the highest divorce rates in that sixth, county. Sixth highest in the nation. Sixth mm. highest in the entire nation. And a group of churches came together and said, we want to change that. Yep. So what happened there? Yeah, actually, kind of going back, backtracking for half a second, basically JP showed up. Yeah. JP showed up with this methodology of, hey, what if we were to attack this this problem of marriage and family, but use the data in the political world. And what they saw in this test over a two-year period, they saw the divorce rate in Jacksonville, Florida go down 24%. Wow. Documented, mm. 24%. That's awesome. And That's it was, huge. do you remember what it was awesome. previous? Uh, I don't know what the final number was. I just know the delta on no, it. No, no, yeah. Yeah. But Before they did it. Sixth worst sixth rated worst city okay. in America. So you can imagine yeah. <laughs> how many thousands in Jacksonville, Florida, who's yeah. one of the major cities of Florida, right? So yeah. it dropped 24% over two years. And then two other statistics that we talked through today yeah. that, were, that were important. Yeah, and this is what's so ex exciting was when— because this was half evangelical and half Catholic churches that came together, a group of about 50 to hold 70. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Yeah. Stop right there. Yeah. Did you just say that evangelical Reformed churches worked with Catholic churches? Yes, because they may not all agree on the same thing, but they knew what the issue was. They wanted to impact marriage. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. I'm a denominator there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just so making sure I heard that right. That was the level set. But when there was that unity in that county over that two-year period— Driving, using the analytics to drive people to the church and to the resources to help and grow 
healthy families, marriages, and relationships. They saw that decrease in divorce, 24%, but what the churches saw was an increase in attendance by 23%. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, I don't know who's listening to this, but yeah. and you can't raise your hand, but anybody out there <laughs> seeing 23% growth in unless your church? Unless right you're a now. church plant, yeah. then you're not seeing that. You're not seeing that. And then the other was because of the cause and people buying in and the growth, the churches were seeing 28% increase in giving. So it's, it's not yeah. a business model, but what it was was people were giving to the capacity and the change, the vision. Well, yeah. and, and that's a huge deal, right? I mean, it's, it's not about money. But we do know through our experience that people's pocketbook follows vision. Absolutely. Right? And it's not just, hey, we want to share the gospel. Every church wants to do that. Right. But when you have a clearly unique thing you're trying to accomplish, Absolutely. like some pastors were just talking at our luncheon, God placed on their heart a desire to build a church in the Philippines. Hmm. And they went to their people. They said, we want to do this. The church, it's a very small church, yet they gave enough money to right there, then and there, right. to build a church yeah. and pay for the whole thing in the Philippines. Absolutely. Because all of a sudden, vision aligned things. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what happened in Jacksonville as well. Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, a lot of times in church world, you start talking using business terminology and business concepts, and oh. there's pushback. And I don't know if you guys experienced pushback, but I mean, like we talk about this is real data talking about real issues. So much of what we deal with is how we feel like things are going or stories we've heard is more anecdotal than actual data. So this is just, to me, it's a no-brainer. Here's a source to help you identify exactly what's going on in the community, inside your church, outside your church. And if you really want to be a church for the community, that's where it has to start. You have to know what are the issues our people are dealing with so we know how to target that. Absolutely. And when you talk about data, Ronnie, you know this. I mean, coming up through church work, everybody does, they don't want to talk about money and they don't want to talk about numbers. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Nickels and noses. We don't want to talk, we don't want to talk about those yeah. things. But the reality is good acts. Yeah. yeah. They were counting. It matters. That's right. <laughs> they have a number. <laughs> they, they, they knew what was going on. They were accountable for it, but then they were strategic in what was next and where they're going and they used those things. I yeah. mean, it wasn't willy-nilly or we hope they show up. Yeah. You know, we talked with the guys today. I mean, the Great Commission says, go. Yeah. Where? Yeah. Well, there's a plan. There's a strategy. The Holy Spirit's in it. But, yeah, we can use the day to use the Spirit and follow it. Yeah. Yeah. Pentecost, 3,000 saved, right? Okay. Right. Well, there's a bunch of people saved. No, we need to know a number because we need to know how to, how to continue to develop these people. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. And if I may— Please. We all know there's going to be an accounting at the end of this thing, right? right? Let's go to the one, five, and ten talents. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, somebody's yes. going to ask the hard question. Yes. When when you pastored there or you were involved in that ministry, what did you well, do? Yes. Yeah. We're not going to get a pass. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you invest? All yeah. You used a phrase earlier at the luncheon. You talked about uh, the need for churches to be more entrepreneurial. And I know that's challenging. I know that's hard for you or I. You and I both came up entrepreneurially. I mean, both of us have started businesses and done that as part of our deal growing up and then both went into ministry, about the same age in our age in our lives. Yep. But it seems like that's a really, really hard concept for church people to wrap their mind around. How can the church be entrepreneurial? I would just say this. I'm reading a, I'm reading a fascinating book. I, I really hesitate to even share it because I'm learning so many cool things in that I hope to teach on later. But there, <laughs> there is a book of... Van Edwards is her last name, and the book's titled Captivate, and it's the science of people, and of course, that's not what we're talking about here, but one of the things she makes such a clear point on that I think ties into vision and entrepreneurialism in the church is what she talks about is to be memorable and to be unique. 
Mm. Right? And so I would ask, what are yeah. you as a church doing that is memorable and unique? Yeah. So like our fostering program, I think, is unique. Of course, yeah. most people don't know about that except our own internal people. Right. But that's kind of a cool deal. Yeah. The work that we're doing with families and marriage and fighting divorce, which we've also worked on sexual abuse in children. We've worked on domestic violence. Those are outward-facing issues that we've invested in that I think is also unique to the community at large. Well, I think churches over the past few years at least have understood the difference between mission and vision and how specific your vision has to be because you can't be everything for everyone. Right. So what what are the needs that, you know, we can't address all the needs in Burleson, but we can address these and other churches can address others and that way right. we're hitting them all. Yeah. And that even builds unity among churches. But, I mean, this is just so strategic and just the fact that you guys don't just help us identify the issue, you help us come up with strategies to to approach the issue. Absolutely. I was talking to a guy yesterday and he said, you know, the phrase is, so what, in the business world, right? <laughs> you can't be in the data, but so yeah, what? Yeah. What question. are we going to do with it? Where are we going to go? How are we going to be strategic or entrepreneurial right. yeah. in this process because we're accountable? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, and I love what you said too, because every context, not every city is the same, a lot of generalities, right? but your context in Burleson is going to be wildly different than Oklahoma City or someplace yeah, else. Sure. Some similarities, but where God placed you in that community, there are specific needs and whatnot that he needs to get accomplished to advance the kingdom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what the target is, I mean, you can shoot all day long, but they're never going to hit the target. Exactly. Well, so talking about data, one of the things that really surprised me, and this is how, for me, kind of scary this whole big data issue is, if we want to impact marriages, which is really, at this point, that's a that's a major focus for Communio, right? Now, I think that eventually Communio likely will branch out into all kinds of different issues, Oh, but yeah. that is certainly a focus and has been at least for a couple of years. When you were able to take a look at the population that surrounded our church and then come back and say, hey, this is the percentage of people that are wrestling with pornography. This is the percentage of people that have searched for divorce attorney. These, This is the number of people we predict have the highest likelihood in the next 12 months to get a divorce and get really granular with it. Right. I mean, down to scary levels. Right. That really, it was, it was uh, well, you know, Don McMahon used to say a lot, he wanted to make complex subjects easy to understand and hard to ignore. Yes. Mm. And that's, that's what good. this good data, your work in good data did for us. It made it clear. Right. We got a problem. Yeah. We can't hide around this problem anymore, hide yeah. from it. Yeah. There are marriages crushing and cratering right around us, even within our church. And that's, or I know, Ronnie, you're going to mention something. When you took our database and shoved it through the same criteria, yeah. oh, my word, yeah. that will make you faint. <laughs> well, you know, in church work, we used to always talk about you can tell what's important to somebody by looking at their checkbook back in, back in the day. Yes. Well, now it's look at their browsing history. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you're going to find go. out what somebody's really concerned about, focused on, the good, the bad, and the ugly, all involved in now that. Now you know I'm yeah. interested in lollipops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but it's the reality of where we are, and you got you got to face reality. Yeah. You know, I think, too, what's, what's been really revealing for a lot of pastors we're working with is—, is Back to that concept. Let's show you what's going on around the community because we make the assumption a lot of times in church and, and, and our pastors that that's what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Right, but not. Yeah. 
but and we're supposed to be in yeah. the world, not of the world. Yeah. But our congregation, the reality is, they look just like the world. Yes. The percent of divorce, the struggles. Yes. Pornography, surfing habits, whatever it is, they look like it. We're trying to overcome it. They're just people that are a little bit closer to where God may want them, but they're yeah. still struggling with the same things. Right. That revelation, back to putting a focus on, has been one of the biggest things for a lot of pastors. We've got one pastor in Phoenix, had a sermon series lined out for a year, had his whole preaching calendar lined out. He scrapped the whole thing <laughs> and said, the house is on fire. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. We didn't even realize it. We didn't even see him. the smoke. Good for him. And so we've got to we've got to change our strategy. You know, I I heard a speaker here recently talking about of all things, and Ronnie, you're going to love this. Talking yeah. about the Reformation. Ah, uh, there you, you go. You know, one of my favorite topics. Favorite R words. But what he was talking about was a comparison between the Gutenberg Press and the fact that if the Gutenberg Press had not existed, Martin Luther's pamphlets would have had no impact. Yeah. The Reformation would never have occurred without the Gutenberg Press. And what his what he's talking what he was talking about and challenging church leaders is on is that the internet is yeah. the printing press yeah. today. Yeah. Our people, if you it, in evangelism, we talk about going to where our people are, and right. for our at least for my puny mind, that's like the gym or the bar or the <laughs> restaurant, right? Yeah, they're on their phone, but not certainly not the internet. Yeah. How how can a church engage the internet, social media? Right, a website. Yeah. You which know, is, Jesus would have been in social media. And can you imagine his TikToks? Wouldn't that be cool? I'm telling Just you, would, they would TikToks have been incredible. Yeah. <laughs> there is no doubt about. You've yeah. seen him walking on water. He would have. He a probably my, would have danced across the he'd water. He'd have a MySpace page, no doubt. Is that still a thing? Well, for you, it is. Okay, thank you. Yes, you've got me. By the way, happy birthday! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Hey, this is a good time to take a break. Let's go to our go no go segment today. Okay. So, Ronnie, do you have a a go no go? You know, I do. I want to talk about the all electric Mustang, Ford Mustang that really has come out. Yes. So, and that, that's a no go for me. You can't you can't take muscle cars and make them all electric. Have you seen no the new Mustang? What is well, hey, my problem, Ronnie, is not that the Mustang is electric because no, have, that's that's fine. You've got the Ferrari, but it's it electric. Yeah, it looks like a Volkswagen. That's the problem. Or something. It's, it's, I would even, I'd go to the level, Ronnie, of calling this automotive heresy. Uh, yes. Amen. Th I this, agree. This should They've not be allowed. Far. Yeah. I'm all for the electric. I mean, That's seriously. Fine. But they, I also love oil and gas. <laughs> <laughs> for our other sponsors yes, out there, spon <laughs> we love oil and gas. <laughs> Golf oil, we really appreciate you. Hybrid, Thank I you think, for what is the way do. to go. Yes. Yeah, but it's just oh man, it's so ugly and yeah, it's just a, it's an abomination. As a as a former Mustang driver, yes, uh, who drove a classic '65 for many many years, it's just yes. it's an offense to me. So boom. I'm I'm gonna hundred percent agree with you on this. I, I cannot believe that Ford made an SUV and called yeah. it Mustang. Yeah, it, it's it, disgusting. Unless, unless someone gave it to me for free, I will not drive a Mustang. Yeah, now free is hard to beat. Oh. Free. I just want to put that out if there. If someone gave me a – if Ford, one of our sponsors, <laughs> yeah, yeah. would like to give us each a free electric Mustang, yeah. we would probably change our opinion, just yeah, let you know. And that's Bob Ford, used car lot. <laughs> yes. You've got that one, but, you know, there are some supercars that are electric that are pretty stunning. Yeah. All right, so it's not yeah. the electric Let's car. go with the look. All How right? about you, Christopher? Do you have anything? I do have there? something. This may rattle some cages. Does it involve physics? 
Uh, no, no physics today. This is a, this is an Finally. easy one. I just want to give a shout out. We this well the last couple of days I was at the national gathering for the eco denomination, which is mm. a Presbyterian denomination. Oh. You have PC USA, you've got PCA, you've got Cumberland, and then you you've eco? got eco 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 like greek for Re air recycle oh not okay right but no one knows it. i mean it doesn't stand for anything it's the craziest in my opinion it's the craziest name for denomination eco <laughs> we it's should like have eco them on boost or what are they trying to they say should be on our podcast they even use a leaf in their logo so is it uh, you know the farmer's denomination I mean, it sounds I, like recycle it's a weird deal but i'm going to give a major shout out to eco because i have attended so many denominational meetings through the last 20 years. Yes. This is the very first denominational meeting I've ever been to that was inspiring, that was energetic. Mm. These people know what they're doing. They have vision for the future. I'm telling you, I'm getting goosebumps saying it. Th this was the best denominational meeting I've ever been to. There's 402 churches in the eco-denomination now, and I'm telling you, we are going to hear a lot about these churches in the days ahead. Wow. It's very, very cool. So kudos to the eco-denomination. That was at Disneyland, the conference? That was at Highland Park Prez. Oh, okay. Which, just down the road. Given their small remodel they did uh, two <laughs> yeah. years ago, it's just cool to be there Yeah, and see what they've done. Good Matter of fact, it was really, I, I'll just say this we about Highland you. Park just real quick. I'm sorry. But Please. And Drew, you can cut they're, this later. I'm sure they're listening. They have their sanctuary, which I don't know if you've ever been in it. I mean, it is... Straight out of the 1700s, gothic, gorgeous, huge, immense, but it only seats probably 500 people, like tight. Oh, wow. I mean, when you sit in a pew, your head as you sit is inches from the person's head in front of you. Oh. I mean, it's tight. That is not COVID-friendly. <laughs> it is not at all. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, but there were 1,100 pastors at this thing. Oh. Right? So how did they handle that? Their overflow probably seats 1,200 people. Uh. I've, never, I've never been in a church like this where the main sanctuary seats a fraction of what their overflow seats, and yeah. their overflow is completely, unbelievably modern. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. So anyway, it was just a cool spot to be at. Mm. So kudos to Eco. And now... Roger back. Back to our show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Scott. So uh, as, as we come to the end of our podcast, one of the things I want to make sure that we talk about is just practical things here. How did we as a church engage with Communio? And I, I can share from our perspective what we did, and then you fill in the intelligent gaps that I miss. So Ronnie and I and you and some others on our team got together early on and said, look, there's a problem with divorce in our area, and we want to do something to have an impact, a positive impact. This was not about church growth. This was not about evangelism, although we hope that it would be a byproduct of it. Yeah. But this was really a focus was on how can we have an impact on marriage and test the water in something crazy, something completely undone, not done. And so one of the coolest things for me that you guys came alongside to do in Communio is that you provided the content and you branded the content, the date nights that we did starting virtually. Yeah, this which, was cool. Which was amazing that all of this coincided right with the beginning of COVID, right? So by God's grace, we had already started an initiative to do an online community right at the beginning of COVID with Communio. So we got together with you and started doing these virtual date nights. Tell us, what was that? What is a virtual date night? And how did you let people know that we were hosting a virtual yeah. date night 
that we weren't hosting physically. Yeah, actually, the way it came together, even on our side, was COVID. Unfortunately, it's been this, you know, to use a buzzword, it's been this disruptor. And so yeah. the model was, was to use the technology, the data, to move people to the church through fun and inviting events. Sometimes we, we tend to just want to get, get them to worship and get them to be chairman of the deacons, and it's a process. <laughs> And what? so there has to be a process. When COVID hit, for most churches, evangelism and outreach stopped, right? Mm. Doors were closed, yeah. you can't invite. And so what we were able to do was to take content from Ted Lowe, Ted Cunningham, some of the best guys in, in the right. marriage space that were funny and enjoyable and actually package that, brand it under your name, not our name, because we didn't want credit for it, but then get that into the homes, the strategic homes that, due to the data, told us that we had families in need, marriages in crisis. So we did ad space through social media. Absolutely. Specifically targeting these families that had gone through the filter that we knew had a likelihood or had some behavior that things might be problematic in their Absolutely. home right now. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And so now they can go and... The other thing that's happening simultaneously, as you think about, as we went through COVID, what did we do? We all went home, and if we didn't have it, we got our subscription to Netflix or Prime right. or whatever. We're yeah. all in quarantine, and we're watching video. So we pivoted as an organization and you as a church to then go and do the digital space, to get in the home, use that screen, that TV, whatever, the their iPad, yeah. but bring that content. And this is, I've heard pastors say, you're kind of redeeming the content. I mean, there's a lot of <laughs> junk out there, yes, right? There right. right. So we were able to bring good content under your banner, put it in the home, reach the people that probably needed it the most, and then give strategies to later as things are loosening up. How do we get them back? How do we get them on campus? How do we engage their kids? Yeah. What are those things that we can do? Because right. now we've got a, a captive audience. Your evangelism and outreach as a church never really stopped. Would that be safe to say? Yes. It was. Yes. And in fact, through COVID, we actually set a record. Oh, yeah, more successful most, than we've been. The most new members that we have had join the church in a long, long, long time. Yeah. Right in the midst of us not really meeting yeah. as much. Yeah. It's right? powerful. So, well, it was. And the, and the cool message to our community was hey, First Burleson cares about me and my marriage and my family. Right. Right. Even if they never darkened our doors, they're like, here's a church in my neighborhood I can go to in a moment of crisis or whatever. They they really care, and they're providing some resources for us to have a better marriage. Absolutely. Yeah, that was awesome. Absolutely. It was really cool. And so, again, just practically, we launched with one, and then we always had, and you've been teaching us this, to always have the hook and the follow-up, what comes next, and communicating that. And so I, I don't know if we've done maybe six total date nights now. We did one physically on our campus, which was a raging success. Yes. There you go. Over 50% of the people that came to our physical date night on our campus with food trucks and teaching and over 50% had never had any interaction with our church physically. Yeah. Right. It was amazing. And as a result, what's cool, I would say two things. Number one, well, this is not just streamable content that we just throw out for the world. No. This is content that people have to register for and sign up for. Right. And if they don't engage with it at all, then they're not counted. Right. So I, I think one of the things that I value so much is, one, we've been able to push this Christian content out about God and about marriage to people that probably wouldn't be consuming it otherwise. And then also, as a result of this campaign, if you will, that we've been going through, We've had over 4,000 people engage with this content through date nights that had no previous connection with our church whatsoever. 
Yeah. Yeah. And let me... That's pretty stunning because we're not yeah. a huge church. Yeah. yeah. 4,000 is a huge number for us. Big, yeah. And let me, but let me add a spin to that because you've used the word content. We, we definitely had content, but what you guys were able to do last June and in October, there was no content. Right. But what you did entrepreneurially, you put something that was appealing to a potentially lost world or a family in need, and we presented the offering to them. We gave them an opportunity, opportunity to engage. I mean, you think yeah. about the world and all the preconceived ideas of what does church mean, and all I'm going to do is get beat up, and I'm going to get, I'm going to yeah. feel shame and all that oh, other yeah. stuff. And what yeah. you said is, no, we have a great environment. We love people. This is going to be fun. Y'all come. Yeah. And they came. They did. You right. totally changed, probably, in some respects. I mean, you're doing so much in the community already, but you broadened, let's say, the perspective and the perception of First Burleson in a community. And they responded yeah. in a big way. Yeah. And it was, a, so. it was a fun event, too. It, we had a lot of fun. I hope so. You know, one of the knocks that we get, because we're First Baptist Church of Burleson. Right. Right. Baptist is an important part of our name. It's our yeah. middle name. We don't yeah. often use it, but we do when we need to be official, yeah. right? Is that there's kind of a, a stodgy feel about a lot of First Baptist churches. Mm -hmm. And I mean, part of that, the reason we might not have that feeling is the young age of our lead pastor. Yes. I mean, that has a That's, huge impact. I think that makes a difference. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. <laughs> but, <laughs> but hopefully, uh, hopefully, this effort also helped to remove some barriers. Yeah. Right? Totally. Barriers yeah. to entry. Now, kind of a closing thought here. I do want to say this. As the follow-up, you've preached to us over and over and over again on follow-up. The cool thing in all this is that we have emails. We have data that is their information because they register for these things. And so through the coming months and years, we're going to be able to continue to follow up with them, right. including the work that you're helping us do to promote the father-daughter that we're having, the dance. Well, and we have Wednesday night care groups, we do re-engage, right. re re we do, right. it, it really made a big difference on our strategy and even our offerings, what we have to offer people in our church. Right. Yeah. Well, so what I just want to say, I think in closing is Scott Shepard is amazing. Yes. <laughs> and yes. Communio awesome. is a company that you probably have never heard of, but you need to know about. And you have now. Yes. So we are, we are big fans of Communio because you have helped us be a better church. Yes. We exist to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples, and you've helped us do that better. Well, yes, thank you very so much. So thank you. It's our privilege and honor to get to serve with you guys and to, to test this out. It's kind of crazy, and what are we doing <laughs> and all that, but it, but it's it's a lot of fun. And I have to say this because you brought it up. <laughs> what did I do this time? Well, there was a guy, you mentioned his name, Don McMinn. Yes. Mm, yeah. Who made a comment at a staff retreat when I was on staff at First Baptist Shulis 20-something years ago. Mm. And he said, the reality is, and I don't think our church, I think we've lost this perspective. And I saw this is my challenge as I kind of leave. Because Ronnie and I talked about this a little bit earlier. We do great children's ministry. And you guys do, you know, you do. You do great youth ministry. You do all these great things. If the plane lost cabin pressure, who gets the oxygen mask first? Hmm. Yeah. Mom and dad, not the kids, right? Right. Don McMinn made this statement at staff retreat. It burned in my heart. He said, the reality is that God created the earth in seven days. He created man, he created woman, he created the institution of marriage, and then he created this thing called a safety net called the church. Hmm. Yeah. That's the role, yeah. is to be the safety net for families and marriages. Hmm. Hmm. That's a good image. So that's our challenge, yeah. I think. We're, that's what we're trying to do, shape that and move that in that direction so our churches really get back to making a difference. Amen. Thank you, Scott. 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a Crazy Pastor story to share or you'd like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleson.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And please take a moment and give us a five-star review. Yes. Thank you, global audience. We love you guys. Don't forget to wash your hands. <laughs>